Hello, I'm Mark O'Connor, and welcome to our latest in our series of deeper dives into the tech index. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by my friend and my colleague, Mike Conradi, who's a telecoms expert. And we're going to look in more detail at what the index has told us about the 5G industry and the telecoms industry more broadly. Now, Mike, if we can get straight into it, if you're sure. happy to. The index um, talks about the positives of 5G and whether or not those benefits have been realized. Can you explain for our viewers what those, those positives and those benefits actually might be as a result of the 5G tech? The changes that 5G bring are more than just faster speed. What you basically saw with the move from 2 to 3, for those of you old enough to remember that, and 3 to 4, which should be a few more of us, you know, the benefits are easy to explain to the consumer, it's faster. And 5G has that too, but I, I think, and I think our survey shows that that's not the only thing that people are being especially excited about. Actually, I think that's perhaps the least exciting element of it from a consumer point of view, because once you've got 50 megs on 4G, do you need more than that for anything you're using these days? So the other benefits that 5G bring are lower latency, so it's fewer milliseconds between when you send the information when it's received or when you request it when you get it. That allows all sorts of possibilities open up for remote driverless vehicles, for example. There's all sorts of things like that, that that become possible. Lower congestion on the network, so you don't have busy times. The ability to differentiate different elements of service, so you can give one service level to one application and a different service level to another application. So there's lots, 5G has all of these extra elements to it. And that's something that's quite new. And, and actually, I think, is not yet understood by the general public or, or even by the respondents to our survey as to why it's different and how that can bring benefits. And, and explain like that, I mean, that's the underpinnings to the, the tech sector itself, isn't it? Whether we're talking IoT, whether we're talking, well, the crossover between tech and media, of course, you know, for fast streaming or whatever it may be, or as you say, things that are life or death situations where the, the controls of a car is needing to react to what it's seeing right in front of it. It all sounds quite sci-fi, but the thing is people have been talking you know, at industry conferences about these benefits of remote surgery for some years now, and it's still not here. The obstacle is partly technical, but it's also partly a kind of it takes some time for innovators to create these things that, that are suddenly possible. So now we've, we've got our baseline of what 5G is. Any conversation about 5G quite quickly moves into security, security concerns. Why, why is that? What is it about the, the 5 or the G that makes people concerned and gets the regulators start to be interested? Yes, yeah, a very good question. And actually, I'm not sure that I have a clear answer to that in my own mind. Why are governments especially concerned about 5G in a way that they weren't so concerned about and are not so concerned about 4G? And the, the, the story, a big element in the story is Donald Trump, but he's, things did not start with him. There was nervousness in particular about Chinese equipment in mobile networks even before Donald Trump. He, though, focused on it in a much bigger way, you know, in his own unique style. US action has led to changes in other governments as well. It's an open question as to whether or not the, the non-US governments have changed because they're persuaded there's a problem with China. Or alternatively, it's because the impact of US changes is that the Chinese equipment can no longer use the latest generation US technology. And that means they're using older tech, which is more vulnerable to bugs or uh, another problem. So either way, the, the net result is the same, which is that Chinese equipment is rapidly being removed and is not being inserted into Western countries' 5G networks. There's, it's also being removed from broadband networks. 
most of the focus is on 5G. That's had some interesting consequences. You know, it's very good news, obviously, for equipment manufacturers that aren't Chinese who suddenly see a big competitor removed from the market. The other thing is there are other markets in the world, I'm thinking particularly some emerging markets, where, where there isn't the same problem or squeamishness about using Chinese equipment. So we've been working on projects all over the world. And one of the first questions to, to our clients is always, can you use a Chinese vendor for this? And we need sometimes need to look at what the law is, and it can be quite variable. But those markets which permit the use of Chinese equipment might be able to build their networks more cost-effectively, but they might also raise security concerns that, that could make foreign services nervous. It's still quite a fluid area and it is it is a bit of an issue quite fluid and jurisdiction by jurisdiction and with with bans outright on certain types of technology or is it approved technologies no it's bans that bans. you can't yeah as you say each country is different but the general theme is you can't use chinese usually vendors in your network or in certain elements of your network which are the ones that are the most critical information flows so as you say gosh that i mean that's quite an amazing thing in terms of the attitudes of certain large trading blocks having a ripple effect across the market but also i think as you mentioned there there are some that see that as an opportunity the Chinese themselves will, will, will presumably target markets where they're not restricted. Certain consumers or, or customers, rather, customer buyers of technology may be able to get a cheaper deal if they're, as you say, not so squeamish. Yes, yeah, so you might end up with a kind of balkanized world where you know, certain countries use only Chinese equipment because it's cheaper and because that's the only places the Chinese suppliers are allowed to sell to. And other countries don't use them at all. Whether that's a problem or not depends on how well they talk to one another and whether you can have the right security protocols in place. Which brings us on to another trend, actually, that's just seeing the early stages of something called the Open RAN, the Open Radio Access Network. This is something that there's a lot of excitement about. The concept is that if you're on a mobile operator, instead of being beholden to one vendor and having every time there's a problem with the kit, you have to replace it with the same vendor's kit. You get kit that's pretty much bog standard that complies with some protocols, but you can buy it from anyone and all the smart stuff goes in software. If that works, it promises all sorts of cost savings and leading the operators to be a greater degree of independence from the vendors. That's really interesting because the tech index, one of the areas it looks at is opportunities. Opportunities for growth, opportunities for organizations. That's one example. I think there are others, aren't there, that come out of the index network slicing? Yeah, so network slicing is is one of the benefits I mentioned at the beginning of 5G. One of the the extra things you can do with 5G you can't do with 4G or 3G. And that is you can, with software, designate certain elements of the network to be provided exclusively to one, with different service levels, to one customer or, or set of customers. I think Actually, my, my personal view, although it's not borne out as, as clearly in our tech index, but my personal view is that's the most exciting thing about 5G. Because what, what it lets you do, and I'll give you a, a simple example, you're, you're running a busy port and there are trucks going, hundreds of trucks going to and from loading and unloading the, the containers. If instead they could all be autonomous and all controlled centrally, you can have far more of them unloading and loading much more efficiently. But to do that, you have to be very sure that your network is going to be able to talk to them all and know where they all are with low latency control their movement so within that self-contained area the port is much more it's simpler to do that than it would be on the on the road where there's grannies crossing the road and kids kicking a ball across but that's an application which is perfect for network slicing and i think promises some real benefits. It's almost like two axes to a graph. You've got one axis, which is that bigger bandwidth allows low latency, allows these things to occur. The, maybe the other axis is looking at the way in which 5G can help more remote areas. Is that is that right? Is that a benefit of 5G that, that you can you can extend coverage more than you could well, before? Well, you... you... 
in certain situations. To really make the most of 5G, you need to use the higher frequencies, and the higher frequencies don't propagate as far, which means that application is not suitable for rural areas because you need an antenna on every lamppost or every other lamppost, okay. and you're obviously not going to do that in the middle of the countryside. But lower frequency 5G, although it doesn't have quite the same capacity, can be used to provide an alternative to a broadband connection, in much the same way that some people now use 4G connections instead of broadband for their home. So 5G promises to be able to do that too. The other thing that's happening, though, which, which I think is more relevant to this covering rural areas question, is the very high-profile investment that's going on into constellations of low-Earth orbit satellites. Billions of dollars is being invested in several different networks to, to build these, and they promise broadband connectivity over large portions of the Earth. One of the downsides is that you need a special piece of equipment to receive them. You can't use your ordinary mobile phone. So one possibility, which I think is already starting to happen, is that you actually you can have an ordinary mobile phone antenna with, with ordinary 4G or 5G equipment on it, but the connection that antenna has to the broader network is not by fiber, it's by satellite through one of these constellations. That's called satellite backhaul. So satellite backhaul is a, is a solution that I think will bring much improved mobile connectivity to parts of the world that don't have it at the moment. So this is great. We're looking at essentially the underpinnings to the, the, the tech sector. Can you tell us a few more of the, of the use cases you're seeing in your work or around the, the marketplace of, of 5G? And then Maybe let's do a little bit of crystal ball gazing. What's around the corner? What's what's 6G, 7G? Yeah. What happens so, next? I, yeah, I, I remember actually posting on my LinkedIn profile about two years ago that the, the first reference I'd seen to 6G. So there is already work happening about producing the next set of standards. One of the issues in the industry, actually, which you quite commonly hear senior executives talk about, is the fact that there's such a fast move from one generation to the next, and each time there's a big investment required, it's difficult for them to make a return. So they might actually welcome a bit of a, a breather before the next generation. And just to and to realise the benefits of 5G yes, although through some of these examples. One of the promised benefits of the Open RAN that we talked about a few minutes ago might be that you can actually upgrade from 5G to 6G to 7G without as much of a new investment as you previously would have needed. The biggest application for 5G is just faster 4G and that is happening and people are using it for that. One of the applications that our respondents were most interested in was smart cities. So this is the idea that you can integrate all of the functions of a city, whether it's the plumbing or the lighting or the police or the emergency services and the traffic lights and make it all work better. I don't think we've seen much of that happening except in very small areas yet. That's that's something that, that could be brilliant, although it does sound a bit sci-fi. And then the other thing, of course, we've, we've touched on already, driverless cars. For, for that to work, you've got to have really, really reliable connectivity. And obviously, a lot of the intelligence you imagine is going to be built into the vehicle itself. You're not going to have decisions about braking or turning left being taken remotely where you, you might you know, go under a tunnel and, and not, not be able to communicate anymore. But the suggestion is that the, your vehicle might be constantly scanning the road for bumps and, send, and sending information con continuously about the road conditions and about where its location and receiving information about other vehicles and their locations and pedestrians and everything else. That requires an awful lot of bandwidth. 5G promises to make that possible. We'll, we'll see. The other one is IoT, the Internet of Things. Again, there's been a lot of excitement about that, not just around the 5G, that, that predates 5G. One of the other applications that it brings is, is the ability to connect many orders of magnitude more devices. The, the imagination is a, is a limit really, but you could conceive of, as long as they can be made cost effectively, you could have tens of thousands of connected things all uh, feeding back to one another and, and doing exciting things. And we'll, we'll see smart meters might just be the beginning. There'll be all sorts of new applications that, that could come from that. So we're still at an early stage of, of taking advantage of, the, of what 5G promises.
Brilliant, Mike. Thanks so much. Um, and for, for me and for our, our audience to have just brought 5G to life with, with real use cases and just seeing it, as I said, as the underpinnings of, of Industry 4.0 and the tech sector itself. But while I've got you, one more thought. If we can zoom out from 5G just a little bit into the, the telecoms industry itself, that's, that's where you work day in, day out, and just beyond our tech index, really, but looking at the industry itself. What's new? What's around the corner? What's, what's, the, what's got your antennae twitching? Well, well, I guess the one thing we haven't really touched on that, that I think is certainly happening now is there's a real trend for telecoms operators that were previously integrated, had their, all of their towers and their fibers and their, the, you know, the, the hard stuff that, that you can touch, combined with their software and all their customers all in one, in one business. That what we're starting to see is them moving those assets, the infrastructure assets into InfraCos and then selling them and leasing them back. They can then invite external investment, often from infrastructure investors, into those infracos. That brings a lot of benefits. In the short term, it brings them a lot of money because infracos are prepared to offer many multiples of um, earnings on, on the right infrastructure. But the other benefit it brings is, is that infrastructure can then be shared between companies that would have competed. Obvious example is telecoms towers. If you own your towers, you know, it'd be hard for you to persuade your competitors to put their critical equipment on your towers for obvious reasons. The competitors will be quite hesitant to do that. If instead it's in the hands of a third party tower co, that problem goes away. So there's real value brought by this kind of trend. And we're, we're seeing it happening in Europe. We're seeing it happening in emerging markets too. Whereas that's been done with towers for some time, we're now starting to see it happening with other assets, all sorts of exciting things happening in that area. Thanks, Mike. That That's an example of the insights that you'll find in our Tech Index Report, which we commend to you. And in our conversation with Mike, as you will have just heard, we stray across the boundaries into the M&A piece, into IoT and so on and so forth for deeper insights and further commentary from our colleagues in Europe and around the world. We commend to you our Tech Index Report. 